0: Hey guys, this is my leak. This is the My Taught You podcast. And I am here with a podcast that Tony and I have been plotting for weeks now. This is the new year books to get your life together in 2017 podcast with my good book friend, Tony. Tony, did I get that one right?
1: It was a totally made-up title, but that sounds good.
0: <laughs> but that sounds good. So, Tony is back for another um, podcast. And before I get started on this one, I feel compelled. Um, there, I think someone wrote that I was, like, awful to you on the last podcast. And I was like, I don't know that people know our friendship very well. So, I know Tony uh, knows me and has known me for a long time. So, she doesn't really care.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll just go on record. My leak is very matter-of-fact. And she does not like, like technical stuff so <laughs> the last time it's like if there's anything that we can control and that's you know coming from you know you're cutting your teeth and pr like we got to control the controllables so if there's <laughs> some type of glitch on my end if you're too close to the microphone if you know your pod you know, something ain't working like you're gonna call it out because that's what we do so <laughs> it's See, not
0: I know and this is why we were friends which is what I love but um, yeah someone said that and I was like oh god people don't know like we got that type of friendship where it's like girl come on um, but any microphone. <laughs> Step back. Let's talk with your microphone, girl. I know. Anywho. <laughs> All right. So Tony um put together this list of books to get your life together in twenty seventeen. So in this podcast, Tony and I are going to talk about books to get motivated and inspired, um, books to get disciplined and stop procrastinating books to get past your personal blocks, books to start your own business, books to get spiritually centered, books to lose weight and get in shape, um, and books to build your circle and strengthen your friendships. And then we're going to talk about, we're going to end this podcast talking about our 2017 goals. Um, I, as I was making my notes for this podcast, Tony was thinking about like what I know I definitely did wrong in 2016 like I think sometimes as I'm thinking about what I want to plot for 2017 and plan I think about like what in the heck went wrong and I can definitely tell you what went wrong so yeah I just was like what was some you know not necessarily what went wrong but what could I have done better like there were two overarching things that by the time I got to December 1st I was like yeah girl you did that all wrong um, so we're going to talk about that but I feel like We should just get started. Uh, And I'm so curious to know, Tony, what are your books to get um, motivated and inspired?
1: Sure. I think um, just to take a step back, though, like the context for this, like how we started doing this was just the fact that, you know, these next couple weeks, weeks um, at the end of December are like kind of down weeks between, you know, everybody going away yes. for holidays and traveling and lots of plane, you know, trips and car rides and just really kind of thinking about what is 2017 going to look like for your life. And I think this is like the perfect time to kind of, you know, step aside from, from the family festivities and, you know, just kind of carve out some you time to really kind of set your year. And that's something that I always do um, and I knew you do as well. So I just was curious to kind of find out, well, what types of books are on your list um, for setting your new year? So yes. um, I think, you know, the first thing is just like starting off with that motivation.
0: Yeah. Um, so how yeah. do we actually
1: <laughs> motivate ourselves to make all these changes in 2017? Um, the yes. one that I like for this one is by Jeff Johnson. It's called Everything I'm Not, Made Me Everything mm. I Am. Interesting. Yeah. And so um, it came out a few years ago. Kanye West, you know, that's the, the title of his song. He wrote the forward for it. Um, but Jeff has been like super active across the media, across, you know, activism with the NAACP um, and a number of ventures. He's working with Steve Harvey on kind of some of his initiatives. Um, and so he wrote this book that I think is really hardcore just in terms of, looking at people who are successful, but know they're not doing everything that they can do to be the Mm -hmm. most successful.
0: Interesting. Um,
1: Yeah. So it's kind of like, it really is a kick in the butt. Um, he, one of the things I love about it is just that he's very, very transparent in terms of where he's messed up. Okay. Um, So instead of him leading, you know, this book with, you know, here's what I've done, here's why I'm so great. He actually shows you the ugly. He talks about being in college and partying and not having good grades. He talks about um, as a father when he was just really trying to build his career, how he was, you know, pretty much not present for his kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so He really reveals like the things that he's done. Um, and then he comes back and actually tells you how he fixed it um, and recommends that you do the same. Um, okay. Another thing that I love about this book is that, it asks you to, to be excellent in all areas of your life. Um, so, okay. Yeah. It doesn't let you off the hook. So he's, um, talking about, you know, he says being your best in one or two areas of your life isn't good enough. So when I talk about mm-hmm. this being hardcore, like he's hardcore <laughs> for real, like
0: don't read this saying- you're not <laughs> ready. Don't read this if you're not ready. That's the thing. It's like, you know, how you do one thing is how you do everything. You know what I, I think people think that, you know, I can be really good in one area, but I can slack off in a ton of other areas. And it's like, no, you gotta like, it has to be a habit across the board.
1: I love that. And he talks about, Um, it's like your personal best is that space in your life where you bring together the professional, the personal, and even the spiritual and create a Mm -hmm. lifestyle in which you expect and accept nothing less than excellence every day. Your personal best will not allow you to be a successful business person, but a terrible father or be a super mom who neglects her passion to become a professor. Um, yep. So it's like if you need motivation, if you need somebody to kick your butt, like this is this is that book, um, and it's pretty actionable in terms of you know recommendations for um, getting ahead in your job and your relationships, um, so across the board. So that's kind of one that I I want to spend some more time with. What about your motivational one?
0: Okay, so. I This is one I will not have this many books for the rest of the topics, but for this one I have three books to get motivated and inspired for 2017. First book that I think that you can read to get motivated and inspired is The Year of Yes by Shonda Rhimes. Um, I read this book two Thanksgivings ago when it first came out. So last Thanksgiving, not this one, this past one. And it was just such, I don't know, and not to be overdramatic, but such a beautiful read, I think. And I th- when I think about motivation or inspiration, there were a couple of quotes um, that she said. She goes, she about talking about lucky. And she says, lucky implies I didn't do anything. Lucky implies something was given to me. Lucky implies that I was handed something I did not earn that I did not work hard for gentle reader. May you never be lucky. I am not lucky. You know what I am. I am smart. I am talented. I take advantage of the opportunities that come my way and I work really, really hard. Don't call me lucky, call me badass. And. <laughs> okay. I really I remember highlighting that quote and it's just like nothing nothing bothers me more when people say like oh you're so lucky and it's like no lucky is not what it is and and that's what I like when she said gentle reader may you never be lucky like that is just so, so that's true
1: if you're lucky it's a fluke yeah
0: yeah yeah Um, another quote from Year of Yes is happiness. Happiness comes from living as you need to, as you want to, as your inner voice tells you to. Happiness comes from being who you actually are instead of who you think you are supposed to be. And so that is something else that really resonated with me. I think so many people are seeking happiness, trying to become something that is not necessarily them. Um, I think an inspired life is being exactly who you are um, versus who you think you're supposed to be. And my final, final favorite quote is, this is, um, let's see, don't let what he wants eclipse what you need. He is very dreamy. She says, but he is not the son you are. So Shonda talks about, you know, not getting married. And I think for a lot of women who have succeeded, um, you can accomplish all these things, but there is always that sort of nagging, uh, thing in the background about maybe you're not married or may, maybe you're not this. And so that's what she said. Don't let, because I, the guy that she was with wanted to be married and she just was like, don't let what he wants eclipse what you need. He is very dreamy, but he is not the son you are. And so I just love that. Like, you are the son. You do whatever it is that you want to do for your life. Agreed, Tony. That's
1: a good one. <laughs> and, and it's so crazy because you've been recommending that forever and I still haven't read it.
0: I know. And when you came over, I was trying to find it and I still can't find oh, yeah. it. So. I know. I have to find it. So, okay. Second one for this one is Very Good Lives by J.K. Rowling. Have you read that? No, I haven't. It's super. It's a super short book. It's 60 pages. It's a graduation speech, but it's like, if you're looking for like, sometimes when I want to get inspired, I don't want to do a deep dive. I want to do like a super swift kick in the butt, and this is one of those books. 60 pages, and, and she, J.K. Rowling is uh, of Harry Potter. She writes the Harry Potter books, but she says, What we achieve inwardly will change our outer reality. And she says, you might never fail on the scale I did, but some failure in life is inevitable. It is impossible to live without failing at something unless you live so cautiously that you may might as well not have lived at all, in which case you fail by default. (gasps) Girl, you know how that makes me feel like. The logic, like it is impossible to to live life without failing unless you live so cautiously that you might as well have not lived at all. Like that just is like I feel like something that I have learned as I have become an employer is that I employ a lot of young women early in their careers. And the hardest thing to convince them is that it is okay to make mistakes. It's like mistakes are not going to get you fired. Lack of effort and trying and paralysis you know so afraid that you do nothing is in is what ends up making it not work for us so I just love that she was saying that like if you are living so cautiously why are you here I think though it goes back to
1: like the landscape we're in right now where everybody is just seeing highlight reels on social media so nobody mm-hmm. knows that failure is the flip side of whatever success coin you're looking at. So we don't mm-hmm. have the expectation that we should fail because we don't see that. And that's right. kind of some of my later uh, recommendations. They talk about that, but I think everybody, especially the young people, they're just scared to fail because they think everybody out the gate knows how to do things.
0: They do. They don't realize that, you know, I tell people all the time, I'm 37. I've been in the game a long time. Like you think that's over a decade of working. Um, uh, final thing final line that I love is she says, as is a tale, so is life, not how long it is, but how good it is, is what matters. I wish you all very good lives. And that is the title of the book, very good lives. And I just think very, I don't know, like if you're thinking about what is your mantra for 2017? I mean, very good life is really good.
1: That's a good one.
0: Yeah, and best,
1: all of those.
0: <laughs> yes, and the final book that I liked for getting motivated and inspired is a book that you didn't particularly care for, Tony. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this, and you were like, "I don't want to read that." Um, How to be here by Rob Bell.
1: Um, I need
0: to finish it.
1: I need to give it more time. <laughs> uh, not so much. I need to finish it, to be fair. You know, I need to just devote myself to finishing it and, you know, maybe it'll carry me the rest of the way. But why do you, why did that make your list? Because I don't remember you being that enthused about it when you started it.
0: You know, it wasn't like, it is a very, very, very easy read. And that is sometimes, I think why I picked it for this election is that sometimes we just can't do a deep dive. You know, your family's around, you're reading a book, the TV's on, you're helping cook And I just maybe you don't want to be go to that deep emotional space and a couple quotes. First one, far too often we don't start because we can't get our minds around the entire thing. We don't take the first step because we can't figure out the 17th step, but you don't have to know the 17th step. You only have to know the first step because the first number is always one. Start with one. And I just really love that. It's like that so is- often. Yeah. yeah. So often people write me and they are asking me all these questions and I'm like, honey, they want to know, should they open an online store in the market? I'm like, first step, just start with one step, figure out if this is something that people need. And I don't know that people know this before I started Curlbox and spent any real money on a website or packaging or boxes or anything. I launched the splash page with email signups. And I was like, if a certain number of people sign up for this business that will let me know that they are interested. Interested, thus will buy. So the first day that we launched the curl box splash page, we had a thousand people sign up. That let me know that people were interested. Did the same thing recently with the my um, you yep. retreat. It's like you know I was working with someone who was like brainstorming and we're trying to plan for the retreat and she's giving me all these numbers and worst case scenarios. I'm like, girl we don't get into this worst case scenario. We're going to find out if people actually want to come. Um, And that is pretty much what I did. Um, And so two more quotes from Rob Bell. And I saw Rob Bell speak at Oprah's um, best life tour. You went with me to that. Did you see Rob Bell speak there? I saw him. I was there. (laughs) (laughs) I saw him girl. (laughs)
1: you're fascinated by him him. I'm fascinated by him and what's so crazy is that
0: on my on my desk right now as we're talking I have my little gold notebook and I remember taking notes from when he spoke at Oprah's best life tour and I just I had never read any of his books at that point but he was just like I have rob bell these are my notes amazing storyteller um he just talks about the universe has been generous the life you want begins by embracing the what does it say by embracing the things you have modern world has things you can prove i don't know my notes are pretty you know awful, i do remember but the re- one
1: thing that you just kept harping on was like and he taught i did read that in um and uh, be here or what is it called how to be here now yeah um where he talks about the first thing that anybody can say about you is that you received a gift and that's yes. the gift of breathing you know so you received is the first thing that's yes. true about you and i know you really like that
0: i really do like that and so two more super quick quotes is he says better to have a stomach full of butterflies than to feel like your life is passing you by And I always say that I think people feel those anxious moments and they allow those anxious, anxious moments to cripple them versus realizing that, like, it is better to feel that than to let life pass you by. Um, And the last one is it is important to embrace several truths about truths about yourself and those around you, beginning with this one. Who you aren't isn't interesting. Ooh, okay. girl okay. right <laughs> who you are not who you are not is not interesting and that. that's what's so crazy remember we were just reading through those applications you were over just last weekend me you diana we're reading through these applications and it's like all these people who are writing about who they're not you're like ugh. I I just feel like we have to do a better job of telling our stories. And it's like, if you want to be motivated in 2017, you have to tell your story better. Do not tell your story as, I am a divorce, mother of who, blah, blah, blah. That's not who you are. That's what happened to you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Circumstance. So, all right. Let me get off my, um... <laughs> Let me get off my soapbox. <laughs> no, this is this is the soapbox episode. So yeah, the soapbox episode. All right, I'm I'm so curious to know what do you want to read or have you read to get disciplined and stop procrastinating?
1: Yeah, so I think this is perfect. Uh, the perfect follow up to the last um, the getting motivated. Okay, so it's like you're motivated now, but how do you actually mm-hmm. get some shit done? Um, right <laughs> can we cast on this podcast I don't know yes you can <laughs>
0: okay, this is right. world, honey.
1: okay um, so just to kind of piggyback off of what you were talking about like when you said being crippled um, that Rob yes. Bell was talking about my recommendation for um, becoming disciplined overcoming procrastination is a very very popular book um, that a lot of people still don't know about it's called the war of art by Stephen Pressfield have
0: you read that oh. one I haven't, nor have I heard of it. I feel <laughs> like I feel like you have done me a disservice in our friendship. I didn't think you needed You get shit done, um,
1: <laughs> but if you don't, um, so the first thing I'll say about this is just a disclaimer um, for anybody out there listening: don't be uh, misled by the title. That is called the War of Art. Um, the subtitle is Break Through the Blocks and Win Your Inner Creative Battles. But this is not just for people who are writers or artists. Um, or do anything necessarily uh, creative. And the whole premise of this book is Stephen Pressfield first explains um, what he calls the force of resistance, and he capitalizes resistance with a capital R. Um, And he describes resistance as pretty much um, any any act that rejects immediate gratification in favor of long-term growth, health, or integrity, or express another way, any act that derives from our higher nature instead of our lower. Um, Interesting. And he kind of goes through and he has this list of resistance greatest hits. And so pretty much what he's saying is that you have to pit yourself against this powerful force of resistance, which is trying to stop you from being better. Um, and he kind of just breaks down when you're going to ex- encounter it. So any diet or health regimen, any activity whose aim is tighter abdominals, education of every kind the mm-hmm. launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise for a profit or otherwise, just anything that you're doing to, to be better. Okay. And he kind of breaks down the forms that it takes um, just when you're going to experience it. Um, but the answer to overcoming resistance is what uh, he describes as turning pro. And this is what I love. It's a very short book um, It's you know, just really short chapter pages, but Turning pro is how you defeat resistance. And this is something that, um, you know, as you, of course, know, I I write kind of on the side. But, you know, I hear people talk about writer's block and I've always said I can't afford the luxury of writer's block. Like if I don't write at certain times in my life, I didn't eat. Um, Right. And when people talk about writer's block, I'm like, I'm sure you can, you can send a text. I'm sure you can write an email. You don't have writer's block. You don't want to write what you're supposed to be writing. Right. Um, and so Stephen Pressfield breaks down like what a professional, the mindset of a professional mm. is. So things like a, a pro views her work as craft, not art. Not because Ooh. she believes wait.
0: art. Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that. <laughs> Repeat that. Because that's said, I right. need to hear this one again. Yeah, I need to hear that again. <laughs>
1: A pro views her work as craft, not art. Mm-hmm. Uh, not because she believes art is devoid of a mystical dimension. On the contrary, she understands that all creative endeavor is holy, but she doesn't dwell on it. She knows if she thinks about that too much, it will paralyze her. So she concentrates on technique. Mm. The professional masters how, and leaves what and why to the gods. Like Somerset, mom, she doesn't wait for inspiration. She acts in anticipation of its apparition. Um, The sign of the amateur is over-glorification of and preoccupation with the mystery. The professional shuts up. She doesn't talk about it. She does her work.
0: Wait, 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 wait. Go back to the amateur. (laughs) Please do repeat the amateur.
1: The sign of the amateur is over-glorification of and preoccupation with the mystery. Um, So that's where we talk about, you know, kind of that, you know, what's my 17th step or the mystery of starting a business and, you know, but you you
0: know how to start No.
1: The professional shuts up. She doesn't talk about it. She does her work.
0: The overglorification of the mystery. I, I just that's just so wonderfully said. Oh yeah, he's hardcore. Um, I love that. And what's the name of that book
1: again, Tony? The War of Art. It is so hard to get not get mixed up. I know, it's a tongue war. twister.
0: The war <laughs> the of war. art. So this is your get discipline and stop procrastinating book.
1: Yeah, and it's like I said, each chapter is like a page, so it's really hard hitting, just little snippets. Um, And again, it starts off kind of letting you know how cunning the force of resistance is. And then it just tells you the answer to overcoming anything, any resistance with what you're trying to do is to turn pro. Um, That's something I know for a fact, like I said, in writing, you demystify. Oh, I'm a a writer. So no, it's not. You need some copy. You need this done. You know, I need to set up a Shopify store. I need to get an ISBN. I need a domain like you demystify yes. that process and stop romanticizing what the, it is you're uh, trying to accomplish. The
0: mystery. Girl, I love that. I love that. And Tony, be sure. So this is the deal. We need to encourage Tony to email me her list as soon as we get off this because <laughs> email me so that I can put it in the notes. Yep. Um. Did you have another book for this section?
1: no it's a one hitter quitter like you can just okay
0: stop it. <laughs> don't worry because there are some sections that I have no books for so Tony asked some questions <laughs> and I was like girl I don't have any books for this but I am so curious to hear what you think I should read um forget discipline and stop procrastinating I really like the power of now by Eckhart Tolle Eckhart or Eckhart Tolle who's a, oh. Oprah's a fan of him one of my friends like when this book came out or people were reading it and it was popular I was just kind of like Ugh, you know more of the same but my friend Lauren suggested that I read it and it really I was in Miami and I was really just seeking some clarification. Like I just was in a, I was in a relationship that I just, I think I knew wasn't going to work out. And I just was like, okay, I'm in a shaky part of life. So, you know me, when I'm in a shaky part of life, I go to Miami. <laughs> so. You
1: the fountain blue, yes.
0: I know, I know. So he says, realize deeply that the present moment is all you have. Make the now the primary focus of your life. And I think as I was reading this book, like I'm looking at the person and I'm like, is this a person that I want to be with in the future? And it's like, This person ain't even working now. You know, it's like, I think I got consumed with like, can they get
1: better? I love that.
0: Yes. Can they get, you know, I was so like, okay, well, if they get help for this, they can be better in the future. Like, and this just really dialed me back to the moment. Like, is this working for you right now? It's not. So if it's not working for you right now, stop romanticizing this hopeful future that you you you're hoping for you know what i mean like it was like okay um and then it was this this other quote it says Love is not selective just as the light of the sun is not selective. It does not make one person special. It is not exclusive. Exclusivity is not the love of God, but the love of ego. However, the intensity with which true love is felt can vary. There may be one person who reflects your love back to you more clearly and more intensely than others. And if that person feels the same toward you, it can be said that you are in a love relationship with him or her. So wait,
1: that really, wait, wait, that's got like 50 different layers. Like, that's layers. <laughs> okay.
0: So it says that the intensity with which true love is felt can vary, right? So true love uh, can vary. And it says, and I know this is why Lauren wanted me to read this there may be one person who reflects your love back to you more clearly and more intensely than others.
1: I think the thing like the the when you first started where you said what is that something about the exclusivity of love is something from the ego that's not of God read that right one.
0: Okay so that says love is not selective just as the light of the sun is not selective meaning love yeah. is not for some people Right which I used to feel too like why do these why do I keep seeing all these wedding photos and <laughs> engagement photos like am I out <laughs> Am I not? And it's just like love is not selective. Just as the light of this, like the sun doesn't choose to shine on certain people. Um, It does not make one person special. It is not exclusive. Is not exclusive. Exclusivity is not the love of God, but the love of ego. Oh, that's deep. Yes,
1: that's Mm. that's good stuff. My therapist recommended this, but she said to listen to the audio version because she said it's pretty dense.
0: Yes. I think that I would go back and listen to the audio of this. Like that I would keep the audio of this like playing while I cook because it is very heavy. It is like every sentence is rich. You know, it it, it was hard to read because you're like, you know, I'm out on the beach and I got my highlighter and I'm like, girl, am I about to highlight this whole damn book? <laughs> I'm about to wet up this whole book with highlighter? Right. It it and and then the sentence after that, Tony says the bond that connects you with a person is the same bond that connects you with the person sitting next to you on a bus or with a bird, a tree, a flower. Only the degree of intensity with which it is felt differs, you know? So it's like we get love all the time from everyone, but how we feel it, the degree that in which we feel it differs. Okay. Adding that to my list. Yes. Um If you get the inside right, the outside will fall into place. Primary reality is within secondary reality without, girl. So when we get our inner shit together, (laughs) our outer stuff falls into place. And I think you as my friend know that. I was like, I was like, we're we're a little testimony. (laughs) Little testimony about to happen. You know that as my friend, that when I stopped and took the time to do my inner work, all of a sudden, my life just... Like, for people who think I, like, fully have it together, it's together. The outer is together because I got, because I did the inner work. Yeah. You know, and it's hard. And final, final is um, where there is anger, there is always pain underneath. So I just think you see angry people. It's just, it's just a way, like, I think that the way that I have sort of, like, started to feel for people is, like, When there is anger, when somebody is angry, instead of responding with anger, I'm like, there's pain there, you know, and trying to assess and address the pain versus being, um, versus reacting to the anger.
1: Malik, are you coming over to my side? (laughs)
0: marshmallow side no no but i i'm open (laughs) okay okay that sounds like something i would say you know
1: they're they're suffering they're struggling with stuff i know i know what are you over there sipping on what do you got i have a strong bow apple cider
0: strong bow apple cider all right i've got your move on ice i put it on ice i know you know me (laughs) that and while you're talking i'm sucking down this Larissa's Kitchen Korean barbecue, um, beef jerky, which is really tasty. I just, I didn't get a chance to eat, which is the story of my life. And so, you know how this goes. Um, second book, it's my second book for getting disciplined and stop procrastinating is a book that I've never, ever shared that I have read with people. And I was like, why haven't you shared this book? And it's like, are you embarrassed to share this book? Like, <laughs> Wait, what's the- exclusive? Okay. I don't know. This is like, listen, first time ever. heard. Drop the music. (laughs) Like drop, drop the thunder exclusive 13 things. Mentally strong people don't do by Amy Morin. And I've seen it in target a bunch of times. I think that's where I got it. But these are the 13 things she says. Mentally strong people don't do.
1: Don't do. Okay.
0: They don't waste time feeling sorry for themselves. They don't give away their power. They don't shy away from change. They don't focus on things they cannot control. They don't worry about pleasing everyone. They don't fear taking calculated risks. They don't dwell on the past. They don't make the same mistakes over and over. They don't resent other people's success. Mm. They don't give up after the first failure. Mm. They don't fear alone time. They don't feel the world owes them anything oh, and wow. they don't expect immediate results.
1: Oh,
0: wow. Girl. Okay. Hello. Okay. I
1: haven't heard of that one. It's populated. It's a good one. I have it.
0: If you want to read it, um, I have it. Next time you come over. It's good. It's um, That one is 13 things mentally strong people don't do. And a quote from there is deliberate practice is more than natural talent. Although we're often led to believe that we're either gifted with natural born talent or we aren't, most talents can be cultivated through hard work. Research studies have found that after 10 years of daily practice, people can surpass others with natural talent in chess, sports, music, and the visual arts. After 20 years of dedicated practice, many people who lack natural talent can gain world-class achievement. But often we believe if we aren't born with a specific gift, we won't ever be able to develop enough talent to become successful. This belief can cause you to give up before you've had a chance to cultivate the skills necessary to succeed. Now that's church right there. Church. <laughs> that's real church. So I really... That's a book that I was like, why haven't I ever shared that I read this book? And so that's one of the books that I felt would be fitting for your getting disciplined and stop procrastinating. Like you need to know that, that like you may not have been born with the skills, but you've given up before you even gave yourself a chance to cultivate the skills you need to succeed.
1: The the crazy thing though, is that I feel like if people just exercise, like, you know, Stephen Pressfield said, turn it into a craft, what she's saying about- just consistently acquiring skills, you probably would be good enough and you probably would be happy. Like you probably could be good enough to, to make some form or fashion of success and you'd be fine.
0: I agree. So I'm really wanting to know what books you think people can read to get past their personal blocks.
1: Now this is an interesting one um, because I focus more on a specific uh, area of personal blocks. Um, So one that I um, would like to kind of address um, in the coming year is definitely personal blocks when it comes to relationships. Um, So, you know, as my friend, Mm -hmm. I've accomplished lots of things in a lot of areas in life. um, But, you know, it's kind of hard to to make a million changes in one uh, year. It is. And so this year I really was focused on career, um, kind of just lifestyle, finances, those types of things. Um, and I thought that I would get around to relationships, but it just didn't get on the list this year. So <laughs> it yeah. happens. Yeah. 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 Um, and so I think for me, and this is just, you know, a little personal tidbit, but Um, You know, we're we're both in Atlanta and Atlanta has a reputation of the dating scene and what that looks like. And I've never subscribed to that. I've always believed that, you know, whoever we're meant to be with, we're going to be with. And it doesn't matter your zip code. It doesn't matter your age your weight, your race, like whoever you're supposed to be with, you'll end up with them. There's no force on earth that can stop you from being who you're meant to be with. I agree. Um, and so with that being said, I think that there's a lot of things that people do personally that actually block them from being open to whoever they're meant to be with. Um, and so as I look at, you know, kind of taking personal responsibility across all areas of my life. Um, one book that uh, was pretty helpful that I'm going to be revisiting is um, in terms of relationships. And it's called Calling in the One. Um, seven Weeks to Attract the Love of Your Life by Catherine. I read this. Wilbur Thomas. Did you?
0: I did. I read this girl when I was like 28. Really? Girl, and didn't call in the one. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> it took a while for your order to go through. But um, I did read it. I just don't think I was mentally ready yes, at the time. But yes. one of my friends suggested that I read it. But I did read that.
1: Um, I think the thing about this one is that. Uh-oh, are you getting echo feedback? I know, I'm good. Okay. She talks about just the mental, and I think one thing that I noticed with my suggestions, and probably you'll agree with with your suggestions, is that all of the books that we're recommending really talk about your mental state and all of the changes and everything we're talking about. Like None of it is necessarily concrete, but it's really addressing your thought process. Um, and so with this, this book, she calls it a course, um, and each week she has it broken down, um, by different exercises that you're supposed to do, um, just in terms of kind of going through and excavating all of those issues, um, again, what I call personal blocks. Um, so just kind of with your thinking around relationships. Um, so one that I found particularly interesting and pertinent is, um, lesson 10, releasing toxic ties. Mm. And, um, oh, did you? I just, you know, I don't, it doesn't really apply, but I just thought it was interesting. Um, <laughs> but, but she just talks about, you know, kind of maintaining, um, you know, she says, all relationships are an energy exchange. Each connection either feeds us power or it sucks it away, i.e., draining our energy. If we saw all of our relationships from this perspective, we would see that toxic ties are those attachments that cause us to lose personal power. He says, the associations we form have the capacity to nurture and inspire our growth, catapulting us into being the best that we can possibly be. However, the flip side is also true. Sometimes we form attachments that can and do block the experience and expression of love in our lives. The most obvious example of this is, of course, a romantic attachment to a person who, for whatever reason, is unwilling or unable to love us. So,
0: mm. not that that applies, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> not that think, that applies to me. I'm just yeah, giving out for anybody tips out there, to other Right. people. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I'm just talking about this for a friend. Right, right. A friend of
1: mine. But, um, <laughs> you know... And I mean, it hurts, you know, and so I think if we're all being honest about our personal blocks, these are things that we hold on to. These are stories that we tell ourselves that we say, oh, it's not important. It doesn't matter. Um, And not that you have to believe everything that she talks about in this book. But what she does do is kind of uncover those aspects where you could potentially be blocked. And I think the shorthand for this particular one is that if a relationship is not giving you energy, Um, then it's probably draining your energy and it's a toxic tie. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, those types of things, um, very concrete. And to me, it's kind of hard to find books that are concrete in terms of spiritual work um, or just kind of soul emotional work. And she does an excellent job of really, you know, giving you exercises and concrete, actionable things that you can do around um, these blocks.
0: Oh, so uh, yeah, I read that a while ago, but I do remember that it was an insanely effective book. One that other you have one, to be go ahead. Which, what's your other one?
1: I was gonna say the other one that I actually want to read, um, I've read before, but this book, when I tell you this is some work, um, this one is some work and it's called Keeping, um, what is it called? Is it Keeping the Love You? Oh, it's on my bookshelf and I was i'll grab it but it's harville hendrix okay um
0: sounds with, familiar keeping the love you fine let me see it's keeping uh, the love you fine i'm finding it i'm go- keeping the love you fine i'm googling it now because i feel like i remember that by harville hendrix yeah
1: because
0: um, that, there's that one getting the love you yes, want he,
1: that's it. the one for couples okay um, but the other one is the one that he has for singles. And when I talk, tell you this is some work, um, this book, he really has you kind of dig through to your your parents, every relationship that you've been through. Um, and he asks you to really kind of make those connections. Um, he asks you to talk about places of yourself that you've repressed and how you kind of work through that in relationships. Like it's a lot of work. Um, And so that one is one that, you know, I've really put off because again, like I said, it really requires, it's called keeping the love you find
0: um, Mm -hmm. a personal
1: guide. So that one really requires some, you know, your pencil, your paper, your markers, um, your wine. And,
0: (laughs) 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 but it it
1: really, yeah, you need a a few bottles.
0: I'm looking at the reviews and somebody says, this book is not handing out easy answers. The nope. book The book's main focus is helping you dig up your personal info, such as upbringing, dating yes. history, sexual history, self-opinion, yes. personality, dreams, et cetera. When you understand more about yourself, you understand what you need.
1: And for me, the thing with this book is that, you know, I've thought, okay, I made these changes in my life. I'm ready for a relationship. And it's like, well, why? Because I've made changes. Like, that's good enough. Because it's like, I made
0: changes. Okay, yeah. duh.
1: I'm a better person. It's like, have you gone through and have you really looked at how your parents affected you? Have you looked at the stories that you tell yourself and how that affects your dating life? Have you looked at the choices you've made and how that's played out in your actions? And until the answer is yes, like you're probably not ready. So this book gives you kind of the tools to be able to answer yes to those questions. So,
0: Interessante. Interesting. All right. I have only one book for this. and. I was like, "Oh gosh, this girl's asking some cool deep questions. Getting past your personal blocks. I went with Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. I love Brené." Okay. And Brené is like, "Because true belonging only happens when we present our authentic imperfect selves to the world. Our sense of belonging can never be greater than our our level of self-acceptance." And for me, I think that like I do things publicly that are at times scrutinized. You know, I'll say things like I said, something about asking to pick people's brains and or I'll say something about, you know, insisting that your friends support you. And I talked about you in my podcast that I did on that, Tony, by the way, you should listen. If you were my friend, you would listen I to my heard podcast. It. I actually did. See there? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Most of my friends don't listen to my podcast, but I'm like, whatever. But it was just the thing of like, when we are presenting our authentic and perfect selves, sometimes I will want to delete things because I'm like, oh my God, you know, if one person doesn't like this, that means more people don't like this. And I shouldn't do things that people don't like. And it's like, I should do things that are authentic to me and be okay with people not liking it because that is, this is me being myself and, and me being myself is not 100% liked by everyone. And that's okay.
1: I think you've mastered that. I mean, I don't know that we see the struggle that you may have with that because I think everybody's perception is you keep it hundred percent real, like it or, yeah. or hate it. Um, But I think, you know, like you said, there's a a kind of behind the scenes, you know, should I really put this out there? And I think you hold true to actually putting things out there that aren't necessarily popular.
0: It's a struggle. And it's a thing of like, I mean, even when someone commented on the and it's still up, it's on the iTunes comment about people were saying like how I treated you as my friend and it's like that hurt my feelings and I think that like the first thing that I have to do like the first thing that I do when I see things like that is like oh my god did she feel that way let me call and I didn't feel like you did but I was like let me call her like let me talk to you about it and when I talked to you about it you were like girl I'm not tripping about that and I'm just like have to remind myself that like there's a difference between the people who pseudo know me publicly and the people who really know me and my true checks and balances comes with the people that really know me. If I personally offend the person who really knows me, then I have a problem. You know what I mean? Everything else is just perception, I guess.
1: And I mean, I think one of the things I have learned from you is just, you know, you said something a long time ago, like if you didn't say it to me, you didn't say it. And you don't like, if we don't have a conversation about an issue, then it's not an r- issue. Like, if it's actually an issue, you'll bring it to me. We can talk through it. We can work through it. But if you don't give me that opportunity, then it's not that big a deal. And, you know, our friendship stays intact because we can have those conversations. And I think you've also taught me when you value people enough, you have those conversations. Um mm-hmm. So all the extra and all that, you know, other stuff. And I heard she said, and I think she thinks, and, you know, it's like, no, we talked about that or she didn't bring that up to me. So, you know, everything is fine. I think we know, you know, if either one of us can bring something up to the other, like it's fine. So.
0: Exactly. And that's the thing where I'm just like, if, if I didn't say it to you, consider it unsaid. If somebody don't say it directly to me, consider it unsaid. It makes life so much easier that way. (laughs) It does. And you know, Brene, Brene has a phenomenal Ted talk. If you're wondering, but in this book, she says, vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage, truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. Oh, that's deep. Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. And I think that like truth and courage. And so it's like when I'm speaking, it's like, this is my truth. This is the truth according to me. It may not be your truth. And I just have to be okay and have the courage to be me and not be weak about it. So that's why I really love that book for like a personal block because so many people don't share Socially and don't share who they are with people because they're so worried about what other people are going to say. And I wanted to use this book as a reference to say that, like, I still get plagued with the same thing. I still am affected by what people think and say, but I just have to remind myself, you know, that that's not like I can't live a life based on what strangers think and feel about me. Final, final um, quote that I have for this is. Even to me, the issue of stay small, sweet, quiet and modest sounds like an outdated problem. But the truth the truth is that women still run into those demands whenever we find and use our voices. So I find that when I use my voice, it's not sweet, it's not quiet, it's not modest, it's not small. But you know what I get so mad about Tony is that like you look at a Gary Vee, you look at a Tony Robbins, they can be like, get your shit together. <laughs> yes, I say it. if I say it, it is like she's rude. Yeah, she's very rude. She's very rude. <laughs> and I'm just like, why can you take that from them? But you can't hear it from me. That's and it bothers me, but I don't stop with my truth because I'm just like, I'm not going to stay small, sweet, quiet and modest. I'm going to give you the truth.
1: And there's a lane of people who appreciate that, you know, our I agree. completely different whereas I'm like oh it's okay sweetie pie and you're <laughs> like no that shit ain't cool like so some <laughs> people want the the sugar cube and some people want you know the whip so <laughs> it's just your personal
0: figure and whip you choose <laughs> so our next book was books to start your own business I only have I didn't have a book but then I got a book so what do you think
1: This is a book that I don't know that you're the biggest fan of, but... Probably not. I don't think you are. Um, So this one is a very popular one. And I actually shied away from it because usually when things are popular, I just think they're just mass marketed and watered down. And if everybody likes it, then I'll... Classic
0: artist behavior. Right.
1: right. It's mainstream. Um, But this one is very popular. And when I read it, I actually loved it. It's Girl Boss by Sophia Amoroso of Nasty Gal. No comment. Okay. Why I (laughs) like this book for people who are starting a business is that she does not glorify her story. And if you read this book, um, her story is very, you know, it's kind of legendary now, but it's kind of the same thing with you. People see kind of the end result And they think, oh, you've had this charm road to starting your business and you had these connections when you started and, you know, you knew this person and you were already cool. That's not the case. And she actually breaks this down. Um, So her story is that, you know, when she started her business, um, she pretty much said that she had time to do it because she had a hernia and she took a job as a, a security guard at college. So she had time during the evening to work on it. Like how unglamorous is that? That's nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just gross. Um, but she talks about, you know, kind of starting off on eBay and just kind of the thought process behind how she differentiated her photos from other sellers Um, but one part I love is when she talks about just kind of how her mom and her had this whole system going so she would go to these thrift stores nasty grungy grimy thrift stores dig through the merchandise she's like you get your hands poked by pins it's dirty it's nasty um, but I would go, I would haggle over 70 cents. I get merchandise, come back. Me and my mom had this assembly line. You know, she would steam the stuff. She would call out the measurements. I write it down. I write this description. And I just had this image of just this, you know, again, going back to the technique and the craft. Like if you had a process and a system for getting your merchandise, for doing your product descriptions, for loading them up, like people would see success. Right. But they just want to look and see, you know, fast forward, you know, 15 years and you see the investors and you see the website. But this is the meat of this story. And, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of when you were reading the Shonda Rhimes quote is really interesting because um, she has a similar quote about luck. And she says, I hate the concept of luck, especially when people try to apply it to me. Yes. Yes, it's true. Hundreds of thousands of businesses failed; Mine succeeded. Was that all just because I got lucky? I really don't think so. What I hate about luck is that it implies being devoid of responsibility. It implies that you can do nothing and then step into success as easily as stepping stepping into a pile of dog poop on the sidewalk. It implies that success is something given to a knighted and often undeserving few. Luck tells us that we don't control our own fate and that our path to success is written by someone or something entirely outside ourselves. Luck lets us believe that whatever happens, whether good or bad, is not to our credit or our fault. So it's like exactly what Shonda was saying. Um, and so I think for people who want to start a business, it's less about, I mean, you can find any book on the particular business that you're trying to start. But this one, I think if you really understand and hear what she's saying, you'll see that one, it's not that she's special. I mean, she has some opportunities, but you kind of create those opportunities through your efforts. And it's not glamorous in the beginning. Um, she talks about, you know, for two years, I, I gave up, you know, kind of my social life. You talked about it. Other people do, but nobody wants to hear that. Um, and so I think, you know, her story kind of combines somebody who has success and and still challenges. You know, if you look at the company right now, um, you've got some some challenges that she's had along the way. But that's all real. So that is my recommendation um, kind of for people starting the business, and it's not just kind of glossing over and and getting to the fun parts. Um, She's very self-deprecating. She really is like, I didn't know what was going on when I was talking to the investors. I had no clue. Uh, But she kind of walks you through all that. So what is your recommendation for starting a business? I'm very curious.
0: Well, I mean, I really... Was a I enjoy Girl Boss? There were just I think you know as someone in business, it's like there is that part. I think that the glorified story of like oh God struggle, struggle, but then realizing that after you take on investors and after you grow like like there's still a level of responsibility whether you didn't know anything or not. Like you then are forced to teach yourself things, and so that was just sort of like my deal, you know. And I don't know, maybe I'm slightly jaded because I read some articles about like all the lawsuits Mm -hmm. and like all the people who were getting pregnant or that were sick that were getting like fired or laid off. And that just kind of like, I was like, Whoa. (laughs) Well,
1: people just get the, the preliminary part. So,
0: yeah. So I mean, yeah, from the preliminary part, I totally get that. But from just me just reading things online, which are not necessarily fact, but these are lawsuits and anybody can read these. And I'm just like, Oh wow. Like, You just have to get dig into your business, and I there are so many people who have people working for them, and I'm like, I bet you the person that this the person who started this company doesn't know that the person who's working for them is doing this, 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 and this, you know. And it's hard when you get big to know what all 200 or 300 or 80 people are doing, but I just think it's important.
1: No, I totally can see that. So, what is yours? Since my biggest fan of this one.
0: Mine is I was like, I honestly don't have one here. If I had to think of one, it would be one that I've shared, I think, on another book podcast that I did by myself. And it's the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Yeah. And I think that one of the things about starting a business and being an entrepreneur that people don't understand is that. It is typically not what we think it is. And he says, contrary to popular belief, my experience has shown me that the people who are exceptionally good in business aren't so because of what they know, but because of their insatiable need to know more. That's a good one. And he says, like, I think in his book, and I don't have notes on this, but in his book, he says, like, people will go into business and say, oh, I'm a good interior designer. I do really good furniture or I make really good cupcakes. I should start a business. And he doesn't think he's like a business is three things, sales, marketing and operations. If you don't like or enjoy those three things, you need to hire against those. But a business is not about your fantastic design skills or interior decor skills or your lovely cupcakes. It is about. Um, marketing, sales, and operations. And I think that people don't realize that. Um, He says, the difference between great people and everyone else is that great people create their lives actively while everyone else is created by their lives, passively waiting to see where life takes them next. The difference between the two is living fully and just existing.
1: Mm. That is a classic one. I love um, how he breaks down kind of those standard operating procedures. And he talks about, you know, the McDonald's system and everybody who works at McDonald's knows how to make the same hamburger. So no matter what, (laughs) you go to McDonald's in Fresno or you go to McDonald's in, you know, like New York, you're going to get that same hamburger, one bun, you know, one patty, two pickles, ketchup, Mm -hmm. because it's a system. Um, And I think, you know, kind of demystifying that whole business process, you know, into like, what is your system? What is your underlying system Um, is what a lot of people miss. So I think both of our books are kind of non-traditional recommendations, probably for what people would expect, we would say.
0: Probably. And my favorite, favorite line that he says, and I had to think about this as I was um, a few months ago when we were having our first sort of like shipment in the warehouse, the new space. And I had, it was the same week that I had planned my week off. And I was like, oh God, do I cancel my week off because I need to be there? And he says, if your business depends on you, you don't own a business. You have a job. You have a job. Yeah. And it's the worst job in the world because you're working for a lunatic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is the truth. That's a good one. That's
0: classic. Yeah. What
1: about, um? I don't know if we talked about it before, but the four-hour work week, how did you feel about that one?
0: I remember reading it. And I mean, I love Tim Ferriss. I just think that there's just a level of like, I don't think anybody works a four-hour work week. And I don't think Tim Ferriss does either. All them damn podcasts he does. Like he's no. not working a four-hour work week. I like how... He, he is the person who taught me that I should consider revenue and income a stream that didn't require my person 100% of the time, you mm-hmm. know, like something like consulting or like something that demanded my brain around the clock. It's like you need to set up, like you said, a system that you can do anywhere that operates without you you know, and I feel like for the last five years, this February that I've had that.
1: Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think that book opens people's eyes to, you know, kind of that whole business model, um, that's not tied to you and who you are. So I love it for that.
0: Yeah. So what book do you recommend for getting spiritually centered
1: so this one um is probably, you know, I thought about the one that I have for motivation, um, the everything I'm not, maybe everything I am by Jeff Johnson. Um, and that one, like I said, is hardcore, is getting a bunch of things accomplished, um, it's being your personal best. But the one that I have for spiritual um centeredness is kind of the opposite of that, um, in that it asks you to stop pursuing Busyness for busyness' sake, um, and to really kind of look at you know the goals that you're you're setting and what they really mean in the long term. Um, And that book is Make It Happen by Laura Casey. Um, Surrender your fear. You love
0: you some Laura Casey.
1: I knew that. I was like, you girl, you love Laura. I do love Laura Casey. Um, (laughs) So she is the. Uh, founder, editor, publisher of Southern Weddings magazine. Um, she has a business where she produces these uh, gold sheets and stationery, um, and she—I think she just does an excellent job of being very transparent. Number one, um, in terms of her family life, her life as a, a entrepreneur, um, her marriage, and just her struggles with faith and the things that you know she's found to be effective in encouraging people in that. Um, and just really, I like people who just tell the whole story, um, as much as I like to see pretty pictures and, you know, like hear about success stories. I want to hear about your struggles. Like, I can't really respect somebody if I don't know what you've been through. That's what I respect more than just the fact that you've been able to achieve success. Like what mountains and alligators did you have to kill to get there? Um, Right. And so she does a great job of that, um, especially kind of with her blog and, you know, even talking about wrestling with social media and stepping away from that. Um, And so I think it's helpful to kind of see somebody who's able to be successful through these challenges, even though I still have these challenges right now. Today, I'm still going to write a book about it. I'm still going to share with you guys my process for goal setting. I'm still going to sell you some stuff. Um, I don't have to be perfect to help you and encourage you. Um, so her book is, you know, is again true to form, very transparent um in terms of challenges she experienced, you know, kind of with her marriage and, and having children. Um, but she really kind of brings you back to what is your purpose and what is your future life look like? Um, and just kind of sh- she talks to people who are super busy. So she says, Read this question very slowly to let it marinate in your heart. Are you striving to keep your machine running? Can you imagine living the way you are now with no time, peace or rest for another year or even another day? What would happen if you put on the brakes and stop the machine? Mm. Um, so she just kind of talks about, you know, kind of relating things back to and I mean, just disclaimer, you know, it's a very Christian book. So if that's not. Um, Your thing you know substitute God with you know whatever you'd like to but she does reference scripture and things like that Um, but her formula and I think it applies no matter what your your religious views are is my life plus God's way equals living on purpose Mm. What she means by that is God's way is the way of purpose of living intentionally in order to love others. It's the way of rest coupled with meaningful work. It's the way of true balance and lasting success It's not about us. It's not always easy, but it's worth it. Um, and Mm -hmm. she says, what would your life look like and feel like if you follow God's math instead of the world's? And so I think those themes and those questions are helpful. Um, and then she has like a kind of full holistic goal setting process that um, she always walks people through on her blog every year, and again, the the goal sheets that she sells tie back into those. Um, but it's a fuller process here in the book, which is excellent for the end of the year because you kind of go through, evaluate your year. You kind of look at you know the clutter in your life. Um, you really take some time to set those goals, so not kind of those you know A B C. I want five thousand dollars in savings, you know, but just really like what difference am I making? Um, And letting those other kind of material goals fall away. So it's kind of like the opposite of Jeff's book. But I think the two kind of go hand in hand, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, kind of starting with these larger um, thoughts about kind of your purpose and meaningful goals. And then using Jeff's book to kind of motivate you to just kind of dominate that list. So.
0: All right. Getting spiritually centered, honey. (laughs) Yes. did, Did you have one for this one? i was on the fence but i'm not sure if i shared this but you know i am a four agreements by don miguel ruiz girl so four agreements be impeccable with your word don't take anything personally don't make assumptions always do your best and two quotes if someone is not treating you with love and respect. It is a gift if they walk away from you. If that person doesn't walk away, doesn't walk away, you will surely endure years of suffering with him or her. Walking away may hurt for a while, but your heart will eventually heal. Then you can choose what you really want. You will find that you don't need to trust others as much as you need to trust yourself to make the right choices. And so, you know me, you choose, you choose, you choose. And when it comes to getting spiritually centered, I had to really think about all of the things that I felt, were happening to me and realizing that they were from the choices that I made, you know? Mm, So, um, there's another quote that says, God is life. God is life in action. The best way to say, I love you. God is to live your life doing your best. Mm -hmm. And that's what I always tell people is that you say you're faithful, but you won't take a risk when you hear that That call or you feel that nudge in your stomach, that is God communicating with you. And if you are faithful, you listen. And so I like what the way he says, the best way to say thank you, God, is by letting go of the past and living in the present moment right here and right now. Whatever life takes away from you, let it go. When you surrender and let go of the past, you allow yourself to be fully alive in the moment. Letting go of the past means you can enjoy the dream that is happening right now. Oh, that's
1: deep stuff. (laughs) <laughs> and it ties back into the the power of now. So, yeah.
0: And so, getting spiritually centered, I just think that so many people need to learn to be impeccable with their word, to not make take things personally, and not make assumptions, and to always do their best, and just living by those very simple ethos help will help you stay spiritually centered for the year.
1: Those are good ones.
0: Uh-oh, so, this good. next book that we have is. Did you have another book before we get into lose no, weight? I don't have <laughs> so Tony came up with books to lose weight because and get this is it. something people
1: want to do in the new year not necessarily like our okay. thing but you know lose this
0: is the weight
1: 2017 goals things
0: okay lose weight and get in shape do you I'm, have one I'm first? so I do do you want to hear mine I do lose weight and get in shape is whole 30 cookbook for me um I started doing the whole 30. I never really fully completed it like because I just my lifestyle. Let me not make an excuse because I just didn't. You're a gourmet. You enjoy the the finer things, so. At times, but what I really uh, I I adopted the whole 30 lifestyle and I do it as often as possible. And the Whole30 lifestyle was established by Dallas and Melissa Hartwig um, in 2009. And it's a nutritional program designed to change your life in 30 days. I'm not a big fan of like time periods, you know, it's like, I do like the idea of like from year to year, but 30 days, two weeks, all that. I'm not into that. But I do think that the Whole30 sort of cookbook and diet is something that if you can if you can just get used to it, um, it is very helpful. I'm going to tell you about it and I'm going to tell you about what it did for me and then I'm going to share some quotes. But... It says, think of it as a short term nutritional reset designed to help you put an end to unhealthy cravings and habits, restore a healthy metabolism, heal your digestive tract and balance your immune system. They say certain food groups like sugar, grains, dairy, legumes. So sugar, grains, dairy and beans um, could be having a negative impact on your health and fitness without you even realizing realizing it. Um, Are your energy levels inconsistent or non-existent? Do you have aches and pains? that can't be explained. And I had a really bad back pain that I just was like, how did I get this? Are you having a hard time losing weight no matter how hard you try? Do you have some sort of skin condition um, or digest- digestive ailments, seasonal, al- seasonal allergies or fertility issues that medication hasn't helped? These symptoms may be directly related to the foods you eat, even the healthy stuff. So,
1: fertility issues? Wow.
0: Yes. So she says, so how do you know If and how these foods are affecting you, strip them from your diet completely. Cut out all the psychologically unhealthy, hormone-imbalancing, gut-disrupting, inflammatory food groups for a full 30 days. Let your body heal and recover from whatever effects those foods may be causing. Push the reset button with your metabolism, systemic inflammation, and the downstream effects on the food choices you've been making. Learn once and for all how the foods you've been eating are actually affecting your day-to-day life and long-term health. So... I started doing it, Tony, where when I'm at home and if I'm cooking my foods, I would say 75% of the time I'm using the Whole 30 Cookbook or just the Whole 30 Lifestyle. I was taking naproxen for my back pain for years. I don't take it anymore. Oh, wow. And so she says, So one of the things that you have to do is drink black coffee. And so you have to? I drank coffee for years. And she says, it is not hard. Don't you dare tell us this is hard. Quitting heroin is hard. Beating cancer is hard. Drinking your coffee black is not hard. (laughs) So I've been drinking my coffee black this year. Um, She says, we believe you should consume only foods and drinks that support normal, healthy digestive function, eating anything that impairs the integrity of your gut, impairs the integrity of your health. And she says, belly fat is especially active um, in this process, contributing to the inflammation more than fat stores in other areas like your butt and thigh. So a lot of times we thick as I don't know what, butt popping, hips popping, gut popping. And we think it's just fat, but a lot of it is inflammation. And so I will tell you that ever since I started really focusing on this Whole30 diet, even when I went to the gym just last week, people were like, you look skinny. It just has gotten rid of that extra oomph Okay. I'm sold. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And there are so many Instagrams and blogs that do Whole30, so many interesting foods that you can eat. And I used to think like I can't live without carbs or at least, you know, whole grains, like, you know, even if it's brown rice, but I have completely cut out brown rice from my diet. Oh,
1: wow. So it's a book and a cookbook. You have both?
0: It is, it is, it is one, it is a book that is also a cookbook because they understand that this lifestyle gets boring. (laughs) So they give you tons of options, you know, to never get bored. And then with all the people who have adopted the lifestyle, they've started all these different blogs. And so it's pretty much like they say, it's just, I would say no sugar, grains, dairy, or legumes, beans, but I like to just say low I I usually do low sugar grains, dairy, and legumes. So on the days that I can completely avoid sugar grains, dairy, and legumes, I do. And if I'm out and I'm at a restaurant, I just try to go low. Mm
1: -hmm. And you still saw results. Okay. Yep. Well, I think that my recommendation is the perfect piggyback to that. Um, Again, like we keep talking about, a lot of these um, life changes are um, mental in origin and so my recommendation for this one losing weight is called the Beck Diet Solution train your brain to think like a thin person mm. and it's by Judith S Beck PhD and she is from the Beck Institute for Cognitive Therapy and Research and the huge thing about this book is that it is not a diet This book is rooted in cognitive behavioral therapy. So what she is addressing with this book is the mindset that's required to lose weight and how to train yourself to talk back to your thoughts that actually are the reasons why you don't lose weight or why you have unhealthy eating habits. Okay. So um, it's a, a weekly program, but before you even begin the program she has you do all of this prep work. So it doesn't actually recommend a diet. She actually says for you to select a diet that makes sense. So this will work perfectly um, if somebody wants to try the whole 30. Um, but she also recommends that you pick a backup diet because as we all know, you might start something and it doesn't work and then you're ready to stop. So she's like, because we know that, like don't let that be a factor in why you don't achieve your goals because this one diet didn't work. Well, no, you've already mm-hmm. planned out what your second choice is if this first one does not work and so one of the key components of the program is that she has you create um advantage response cards so she really wants you to keep front and center in your thoughts the advantages of why you're trying to make this lifestyle change and so you create these index cards and um, that list out the benefits. So you know, I'm gonna look sexy in my New Year's Eve dress, or you know, my boyfriend is gonna compliment me on how hot I look, or you know, I won't be embarrassed when I take pictures. But you're identifying things that are very personal to you, and mm-hmm. you look at this card multiple times a day, so that it's like, I want that brownie. But the advantage of me sticking to this program is that you know I'll feel confident when I go to the beach on my vacation. And I think that when we try to lose weight, a lot of there's disconnect, you know, there's disconnect between your thoughts like, oh, this one cookie won't hurt or, you know, oh, I can have this fried chicken. And then the actual goal that we have in front of ourselves. And so she encourages you to create this system of reminders um, so that that's always front and center. So I love this book. Um, I haven't. And again, I think everything that we've been talking about is is work. You know, none of this is mindless. None of these changes are mindless. So you really have to commit to these programs. Um, But I think this one is, is, you know, the perfect companion to whatever diet you choose. Um, Mm -hmm. But just kind of understanding the thought processes behind this. And it's kind of like how thin people think versus how people who are struggling with their weight think. Um, And just kind of she has a lot of scales. Like I said, it's rooted in, in cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so there's lots of checklists and scales like your hunger on a scale, identifying the difference between a craving um, and actual hunger responses that you say to yourself, you know, when you're confronted with, you know, a attempting um, treat that's not on your plan. So she just really takes you into the into the the cognitive portion of, of how to lose weight. And she says that she's like, we're never taught, you know, people roll all at this diet, but you know, that doesn't teach you how to talk back to your thoughts. So, right, very helpful. So, I
0: think those would
1: be my two, you know, use the Beck diet and then I'm going to try out the Whole30. So, Yes,
0: Whole30, Whole30. I like. (laughs) And I was shocked because I didn't think, like, I usually am not into anything. Everybody knows I love my Skinny Taste cookbooks. Like, that is a no-brainer. But I just, the Whole30, my body responded to that immediately. I'm talking about just weight when i talk about when i really zero in and i'm really dedicated to whole 30 i can lose like a pound or two a week like it just happens and so i just i think it's a lot of this whole diet thing is just finding things that work best for your body and i think i realized that by cutting out some of those things in my diet the inflammation things that i thought were fat or whatever were really just inflammation you know Mm -hmm. So um, that was cool. I did not have a book for your next one Um, to build your circle and strengthen your friendships.
1: That's fine. I think that, you know, another thing I think people look at is just relationships in the new year. And just like, I know you talked about like, okay, I'm going to be hanging out with my friends more. People should come over and I'm going to catch up with you. So I know, you know, a lot of people have that in the new year. Um, And especially for me, you know, like a lot of the changes I've made, I feel less connected um, with a lot of my friends. And so I just was wondering if you had one for this. Um, I do have a recommendation for kind of, you know, strengthening your friendships and relationships in the new year. And that one is called Friendships Don't Just Happen. The Guide to Creating a Meaningful Circle of Girlfriends by Shasta Nelson. And... She is, um, she's just phenomenal. She's, um, uh, just done a lot of research on women's friendships. And one of the most helpful things in her book is that she has this concept of circles of friendships. And I think all of us have kind of looked at friendships in our lives and how they've shifted and felt like, okay, because, you know, me and my league don't talk every day. That means she's not my real friend because I talk to my real friends every day or, you know, because. You know, you didn't come to my baby shower. That means you don't care about me. Just the, the little things that I think women have in their minds yes. about what we do and what friendship means. And I know you talk about this as well. You're like, I'll I'll get you out of jail. Like, don't worry <laughs> about me in the, in the baby shower.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm going to take care. But I got you. When you when you need me, when, when there's no one there, I'll be there.
1: But one thing she does is she kind of gives vocabulary to the types of friends that we have. So she has what she calls circles of connectedness. Um, so all okay. the way on the right side, I'm sorry, the left side is kind of less intimate to more intimate. Um, and she breaks down kind of contact friends, which are folks that you might see, you know, when you go to an associating association meeting, you kind of like, oh, I always see her, you know, at beepers and, you know, we always speak and laugh or what have you. Um, common friends, folks that you might, you know, grab a coffee with after Pilates or something like that. Um, community friends, you know, the folks that you, you know, don't necessarily have to be in class, but you all are going to make plans to see each other anyway. Um, committed friends, which are those kind of deep sharing friends, those confidants, um, that you talk to on a regular basis and then confirmed friends who are your lifelong friends. You might not talk every day but you know they're there at your hospital bed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she talks about, you know, just kind of the expectations that you have. And I think it's helpful to categorize kind of who are these friends in my life? And, you know, maybe I'm expecting somebody to be a committed friend that's a confidant, but because, you know, she just got married or she just had a baby, she's a, a community friend right now and that's okay. And so she just talks about kind of moving people back and forth. Or if you see, you know, I've got a ton of contact friends, folks that I run into here and there, but I don't have many, you know, c- committed friends. Like that's where I need to focus my attention on. Um, so I think that was, that was super helpful because it puts into context kind of some of the changes that I've seen with my friendship, um, friendships over the years. So
0: that's an amazing, amazing book. I can't wait to share all of these. And so, um, There was your final question was, what are your 2017 goals? Um, What are those questions you ask everyone every year? And so I think when we first started this podcast, I talked about how um, really thinking about 2017 based on what I felt like 2016 went like. And my plan for 2017 is to really buckle down and get more focused um, I realized two big Wait, mistakes. You need to get more focused. I you know everybody me? says that. How can you get more focused? And I do believe that I can get more focused. And I feel like I realized two big mistakes that I've made this year. One was committing to way too many things way too early. Like I literally wore myself out. So literally just this month, I've had like five, people or organizations try to book me for things in 2017, something in January, something in April, things in May, June, July. And today I'll look at my calendar and there's nothing there. And I'm like, oh God, yeah, I can do it. I have nothing, but it's like, my life doesn't work like that. Like my calendar is only free for the moment. And I think that I allow people to, I allow myself to just book all this stuff that I just, I can't, I I was just, I was exhausted. I was completely exhausted. Second thing I realized that I did um, wrong or I just wasn't good at. And this was probably my hardest, most vulnerable thing. Like for me, I really try to get like, don't, I try not to BS myself. Like if I had to really say what is something that I sucked at And I think you know me about this from working with me, it's just really buckling down on my hiring, interviewing, and training process. I can't hire, interview, train, promote based on nostalgia, based on who, how I wish people would have treated me or what I wish people would have done. And it's like, I have to hire the right people for the right jobs. And when they don't hit their marks, I don't promote them because what happens is that I'm doing all these things and then I'm disappointed. And then as you know, then you have to like end it. And then it's just bad, you know, and it's not that you don't ever have to fire people, but I felt like if I had to really look at myself, I had to stop this nostalgia bullshit and really just call it what it is. Like, I, I I, am very passionate about young black women. And it's like, I was just making way too many concessions because I just wish that people would have done these things for me. And I felt like I got into a cycle of nostalgia versus a cycle of true facts.
1: That's very, very vulnerable. <laughs> yeah so how do those play into kind of your goals for 2017 so you're going to do different things so, like the scheduling and
0: yeah my goals my goals so how that works for 2017 is that I have nothing booked for 2017 nothing nothing so I have had people reach out to me and I haven't said no but I have not said yes either and I just am in I am just don't know I don't know and I, I am just if I feel like doing something, I will. And if I don't, I also won't. And so that's something like there hasn't been a year that I've gone into Tony where I didn't have things booked and paid already on my calendar. So to go into January one and know that I don't belong to anyone is amazing. Um, How I'm going to, do change like my hiring process is that I spent and I haven't told you this and I haven't really told anybody this, but I have spent a great deal of time reading, researching, talking to other people in the space about um, hiring. So one book that I read that I really enjoyed and I haven't shared it because I'm like, if people, people will be able to read this and know, but it's one book that's called Hiring the Best. And that book taught me how to Um, one thing that I felt like I wasn't doing in the interview process is that I wasn't sort of like intimidating or flustering people enough because I need to know, do you get intimidated or will you get flustered when I'm operating at 10? You know how I get when I'm on 10. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) You, you know how I get. And if somebody can't handle me at 10, 10, they won't be a good fit.
1: So it's better for you to show them 10 and say that nice, polite, hi, nice to meet you. Welcome to the Curlbox office. So let me, let me rattle your chain right here now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, shit's about to get real. And that's the thing that I was just like, I have to start. So one thing that I started doing and I've done this and I feel like it has worked is that I've got to rattle you early because I need to see who you are. Um, Because if you are sensitive and you, it's I'm hard. I'm hard. And I think that I used to try to cover that up, or I just wanted to feel better about it. Or like way, way back, however many books ago, when I was just talking about being soft and being small, and that's not who I am. And so I don't even want you to think that that's what this experience may be. I am not small, sweet, quiet or modest. You know what I mean? Like I I am big and all that I do. And so that book teaches you how to sort of fluster people in the interview to see how they would respond in a work environment. So I really enjoyed that one. And one book that I really loved, uh, it's the Chick-fil-A. I call it, I have it as the Chick-fil-A book for team building, but it's written by the like the HR person. I think her name's Dana, who's been at Chick-fil-A forever. And it's called, It's My Pleasure, The Impact of Extraordinary Talent and a Compelling Culture. And it's just about really working. You know, I think the hardest part of my job, which you may know this, or maybe you don't know, is like, trying to keep a team of people to extraordinary talent together and inspired and motivated. And, you know, as well as myself, most of us are just focusing on ourselves and to have to divide my personal priorities with not just one, not just two, not just three, not just four, not just five people, but several people it's tough. And so those are my very vulnerable goals. Those are the things that I'm going to be that, like, those are the things that I sort of worked on in secret this year. You know that I didn't tell everybody, and things that I'm going to continue to build upon for next year.
1: Very revealing. Thank you. <laughs> um, I don't really have like I'm, you know, going to go through kind of some of my books and kind of really um, take a step back. I've had just such a whirlwind year, and I think when you talk about. Um, kind of mistakes or missteps over the year. Um, One of the things that I saw this year is that, you know, I was just so driven against achieving some particular goals that I let the rest of my life slip. Um, Like I was talking about with the Jeff Johnson book. So, okay, I got some boxes checked off, but Mm -hmm. just in terms of Tony and who I am and what I need to be refreshed and how I need to show up for people Um, I I let those things fall. Um, So like with the Laura Casey book, you know, did I really make what matters happen or, you know, did I just do things to the exclusion of kind of those deeper things? And I mean, you know, you'll be the first person to say you've got to sacrifice when you're trying to achieve your goals. And that means you won't be able to make every party or have every phone conversation. But um, for me and my sanity, like my relationships are very important. Um, My creative outlets are very important and I need to make sure that I am organized enough um, Mm -hmm. and disciplined enough. You know, Steven Pressfield talks about, you know, that I'm professional enough um, to really make sure that I've got those systems in place so that I can have the time to be, you know, the Tony that I want to be. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, that's kind of my goal. So my word, I try to pick a word for the year, um, and my word for the for 2017 is order. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Order. Order is a good one. Um, mm-hmm. But I think my goals, you know, I kind of have themes and it's it's love and legacy. Um, so like I referenced with the calling in the one, you know, I really want to focus on kind of my personal blocks um, to getting the relationship that I'm looking for. Um, And then the legacy portion of making a larger impact. So now that I'm in a particular position, I have success in some areas, I want to share that with as many people as I can. Um, And so I want to just kind of make sure that it's not just, you know, me with my head down, you know, behind the computer, um, just working to better my life. But how can I share what I have with others? So what those actually shake out to in terms of smart goals, a specific measurable, I can't say. Um, but those are kind of my themes that I'll, I'll be thinking about over the next couple of weeks. Um, and I'll be kind of tracking in, in my, uh, my journal.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I think if I, I was trying to think, as you were saying, like, what is your word for the year? I don't know. I got to think about that. And maybe my next podcast will be me revealing my word for the year. But something that I've already decided is that, like every year I go into the year saying I'm going to take X amount of time off. Like I've been having a goal to take two months off forever. I have never even taken two weeks off. Like, so I'm like, I'm talking about taking two months off. So my goal for next year is to take two weeks off. Two consecutive weeks. Oh, I'm not. like, okay. yeah, not two months, <laughs> but two consecutive weeks. And so that is my goal is to do two consecutive weeks off. And I want to do them by myself. So you know that I'm in a relationship. So I talked about two weeks with, we always do, we've, since we've been together, we've done one week vacation together. So we have agreed that we want to try to do two weeks vacation together. And then I want to do two weeks by myself, which would make one month, but I usually end up working on the the, bo- the vacation. So, you know, like a working two week vacation and then a complete two weeks off on my own. That is my goal. We shall revisit and see if that actually happens.
1: Good deal. I'm going to hold you to it. So I, I will expect to see you planning it and we'll all rally around you and help do everything it. go smoothly so that you can you can have your two weeks. I love it.
0: Yeah, I want to do two weeks. And I just think that, I, like you said, I just have to do it. And be done with it. So um, that's my plan. And I just don't know where I'm going. I kind of want to go to the French Riviera. I know, girl. I don't know. But shoot, even if I just go down the street. <laughs> <laughs> you just got it because, to because <laughs> Yeah. Unlike most people, I literally have worked every, I work every single day of my life. Every single day. It's hard day. to disconnect. It's super it's hard. hard and I like it. It's not, this is not a complaining thing, but it's like I work Sunday to Sunday every day I'm working on something and I just think that it would be good for me to not work for two weeks. Like some people, they don't work on weekends and they over time they accumulate this time. I don't have any time accumulated and it would be nice to do that.
1: Those are good guys.
0: So, yes. So you have, how am I going to be using my journal this year? Um, mine is very simple is that, I have to stick with using one journal this year. I got scattered lately and I've been like journaling, or I got like five different places that I'm journaling and doing my to-do list. And so my goal for 2017 is to stay in one book. And what usually happens is like, I'm like, oh, this is too heavy. There's no room in my bag. And so then I take a thinner something or a smaller and it's just like to just get over it and and try to put it all in one place.
1: I can't condone that. You have journals. I have a notebook line. So I'm an advocate of multiple multiple <laughs> notebooks so I
0: can't get behind that one but good luck good luck how are you journaling this year what are you going to be doing
1: um I don't have a plan for it so I have a, a journal um and I, I didn't really journal this year which is crazy because it's so when you actually are living life you really don't have to sit and just lament or just you know kind of pour out on the page this is what's going on you're too busy living life right um so you kind of miss a lot of the the highs. Um, So really this year, I think my journaling, um, you know, kind of with your hustle uh, journal that you have, I'm going to be using that to work on um, my business. And then, um, you know, just kind of with that order as my word, I just really want to get more diligent about kind of my to do's um, and just kind of getting a system for keeping track of of the things that I need to accomplish with my notebooks. So maybe I I can do three, two notebooks, two to three.
0: Got it. Wow. All right. So we, this is probably the longest podcast I've ever done in we life. We have which talked is these people's ears off. Ears. Where can everybody find you, Tony? So I
1: am on um, Instagram at urban Lux life. Um, and so that's where you can find everything related to me and my stationary line, urban Lux papery.
0: Awesome. We thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoy books to get your ish together in the new year. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a happy, happy, happy.